computer. This is data. I'm an android. I'm a... basketball? I was processing all of the information. Processing. It's one of those idiots who believe in analytics. Rangers pick basketball? Analytics was crap. Does not compute. Just because you got good stats doesn't mean you're a good team. Hello and welcome back to the Lakers Exceptionalism Podcast. My name is Tom Z, joined as always by Tim, aka Cranger Speak Basketball. And today, Tim, we are still kind of in the doldrums of the offseason, waiting, waiting and waiting for something to save us from talking about this 2022-23 Lakers team with potentially Russell Westbrook still on it. But before we get there, how are you doing today, buddy? Man, I'm having a good day. Got some exercise in. I've gotten some some work done around the house. Feel productive and you know, feeling calm, ready to approach this from a calm perspective. Absolutely. I mean, we're trying to put our exceptionalism on and get some hate for like basically saying if Russell Westbrook's on the team, like just like I'm out, you know. But I, you know, <laughs> that's how I feel. There's no yeah. kind of way of fixing this. Uh, there's no exceptionalism to be had with zero on the team. Yeah, you want to win and you want to have fun. And with Russ, I don't think Neither. either of those are really there. Yeah. There are alternatives where maybe you're winning, but you're definitely having more fun. And, you know, that may be a step up. But, you know, we're of the mind that you should be winning titles. So this should be a team operating now in the future to be winning titles. That's what it's about. I don't care about counting stats. I don't care about things like that. Like, go for broke. Go for the title. And if you can't do it, you can't do it. So... Like I was saying, not a lot to happen. We have had some more uh, discussions floated out there about the Lakers and Pacers trade talks, um, basically stalling out at this point. And from reports, it's stalling out because the Lakers are refusing from reports to include that second first round pick. Well, we don't know if it's the 27 or the 29 or what order specifically, but it sounds like that. Palinka is a hard no, at least at this time, on including two picks for Miles Turner and Buddy Heald. So I I guess let's start there. What do you think is fair trade value for those two players? And I, I saw you tweeting a little about it that I, I mostly agreed with that, you know, to Miles Turner on the contract he's on right now is probably worth a first round pick. Um, and you can compare it to trade the Pacers just made with the Boston Celtics where they traded, you know, a not a bad contract, but a long, heavy contract, right? Michael Malcolm Brogdon and got back like pieces that they mostly like are probably not going to keep long term and a pick. And so that was kind of the value is basically one first round pick for Malcolm Brogdon. Is that kind of how you're seeing it with Miles Turner? It's like one pick is like fair value for him. Plus some other filler. Yeah, I, I don't think any situation is exactly the same. And like for Brogdon, he was coming off of a super super injury plagued season. I mean, he's owed uh, sixty seven mil over the next three years, I believe. The Pacers saved money in the deal. Uh, they got a first for it. Like that was a good trade for them. You can't necessarily look at that trade or any other individual trade and say, "Well, this guy was worth a first, therefore this player shouldn't be or should be worth more." Um, Everything, the value is really down to like what the, or the cost, I should say, is really down to what the market says it is. And what I've 
been told is that the Pacers can get a first for Turner if they wanted to move Turner today. Now, they're trying to move Turner with Heald so they can get off of Heald's money because, you know, Heald is a valuable player. He's a valuable contributor. He adds, he like does add value. He's a good player. He's overpaid though. And so rather than just like moving Turner and then not getting takers for Heald, if they can move them together, they are able to accomplish what they're looking to accomplish, get some good trade assets back, help them rebuild, open up minutes for the younger guys, you know, lose a bit more, tank a bit. So that's from my understanding, their perspective on this. But to answer your question, yeah, I think I think Turner's worth the first. I think if you're doing the accounting here, you have to start with Turner is is worth the first, and then you get to the heel, then you get to Russ, and you try to figure out, you know, what is the overall cost. But yeah, Turner Turner's one first round pick. So the thing that makes this particularly unique, I think, is that only one team is really offering to do both in one fell swoop for the Pacers. Mm -hmm. They could break this up, but very few teams, I feel like, are going to take on 40 million of Miles Turner and Buddy Heald and send out that much money and still try to be a competitive team, right? Like the Lakers are in a unique spot with that. Exactly. The, I've had somebody ask me on Twitter yesterday, well, why hasn't another team done this? Your point is exactly the answer. It's a lot of money to be able to make a trade that's legal under the CBA, that makes sense for another team that's looking to win and wants to grab these guys to look to win. Because if you're looking to rebuild, why it doesn't make sense. Right, right. So if you're if you're kind of in between, I could see grabbing Turner and maybe you have the money for that. But Turner and Heald doesn't really make sense. So the Lakers are uniquely positioned to be a team interested in acquiring both of these players, which makes these two teams really, really good trade partners because Russ's money and, and their money kind of works out really well and, and makes it nice and legal. You don't have to include a bunch of other salary filler or something like that. So if the goal for Indiana is to just strictly get off of money, like, yes, there is a chance they can break these two assets up and get, you know, two trades executed that get them to where they want to be um, probably with a first round pick coming back for miles Turner and maybe with a f that first going out for buddy healed, but that just adds complexity and difficulty to their situation. And again, not impossible. If you're trying to auction off your players, you just might get a little bit less than you were hoping for. Mm -hmm. So is that, justification to you for Palenka holding out on that second first round pick because I got to be completely honest with you Tim we talked a little bit uh, uh, with Mike Garcia last week I'm at the point where like I, I just want a competitive team around LeBron and in the last few years of his prime or his post you know prime you know descent and if it means that they have to risk being you know a lottery team in 2027 with no picks I think that's a risk they should take. So fuck them picks, mm -hmm. Tim. What do you think? Yeah, you have to look at like, again, if the goal is to win titles, the goal isn't to be relevant. This isn't, we're not the Portland Trailblazers where we're just more worried about just Ouch. like having competitive players, you know, having interesting names, drafting guys like Zach Collins who are from the area, things like that, just to <laughs> stay, you know, just to sell tickets. The Lakers are going to make their money. They want to win their titles. And if you're going to look at winning titles, you're better off focusing those assets in a point of time and, and find a title window. Um, they're trying to, instead of have a window, have this like huge uh, sliding glass door. Uh, this analogy isn't really working for me, but <laughs> they're trying to like really spread it out and win. They want to have their cake 
for later and eat it too now. And you, you can't really do that in the NBA. With how competitive mm-hmm. the West is going to be next year, the team as constructed now will not be a title contender, even if they're healthy. So this is a trade that would put them into that conversation. And if you're worried about what will we look like years from now, I, from my perspective, like you, you, with the rules in the NBA, with the stepping rule, the Lakers can't trade every first-round pick they have in the future. They will mm-hmm. have first. It's not like right. they'll have no way to rebuild. Like they well, they will can't rebuild. trade them yet. They can trade them they at can't the trade draft. Them yet. Right. But for me, uh, yes, that is, that's a, an excellent point. In terms of being able to trade those other picks, it would have to be like on like draft night or something like that mm-hmm. um, or, or afterwards. So from a trading future asset standpoint, this is your last shot with LeBron on the team to trade future picks for something to get you to a title contention. And I, I think this is worth it. I, I think this is the one to go for. And if that means that you know, you're not as good in 2025 or 2026 or 2029. Like, so be it. That's fine with me. Like, I, I forget who looked at it, but on average, when teams go from being in their title window to looking to rebuild, it's going to take six or seven seasons at least, usually, mm-hmm. on average. So you have to be okay. Try, you know, if we can win a title this year, it's going to be worth it. We, we won that title, you know, trading all those young guys for AD, and we said this was worth yep. it. All Took of those years. Case. It was worth it. And during that time, Tom, honestly, like we had fun. Like the team yeah. wasn't great, but it was still an enjoyable process. You you change your expectations. It's no longer we're trying to win every single year, no matter what our situation is. You kind of embrace that tank. You lean into the development and you can still enjoy yourself because really this is about entertainment. But at the end of the day, we're going to look back and say who won the title these years. And I think the Lakers have a good chance to win the title this year if they make this, this trade. And if they don't make the trade, they keep those picks. I don't necessarily think they have a great chance of winning the title, you know, half a decade from now because we've no freaking clue who's going to be on that team. Right. So like, I, I'm a little frustrated, Tim, by the like discourse about um, the trade value and I guess the leverage that the Lakers do or do not have, mm-hmm. and a lot of people on principle saying, you know, forty-seven million dollar expiring contract is valuable, uh, and Palinka is merely like. You know, they talk about like trade sheets, right? Like they have this in the NFL more specifically, like how many second rounders does it take to get a first rounder and so on and so forth, right? There's like Mm -hmm. value charts that are kind of more generally agreed upon. I think that's similar situation in the NBA. Like Donovan Mitchell is probably not going to be traded for less first round picks for fewer first round picks than Rudy Gobert. Because like to your point, there is a kind of a bit of a not a universally agreed upon market, but the market is it it happens around what you're willing to do. If you're willing to give up five first round picks for Rudy Gobert, that means someone else is if they want Donovan Mitchell is going to have to give up seven. Mm -hmm. And that's just kind of how these. And so uh, my big point here is that I think. We frame the idea of leverage a little incorrectly. The Lakers have like negative leverage against themselves because they're desperate to expand this window with LeBron and AD. And if you're desperate, the other team should and and will say, no, give me more. Mm-hmm. Give me more. Right. Like, yeah, I have all my uh, scenarios that – benefit me if I get rid of this guy, but I know you're desperate. And if you're desperate and everyone knows you're desperate, why would you not ask for that extra piece? Right? So Mm -hmm. 
at, there's a certain point where like we've called it the Laker tax before where why did Palika give up so much more for AD? Because they were desperate because they needed that second star there. Otherwise, there would have not gotten nothing going, you know, in in the short term as a championship contender. Is that is that crazy? Like there is a like a negative leverage against the team right now that's hurting their trade negotiations. Yeah. And and so I've heard it called the Lakers tax. I think that's overblown. When we look across the league and the Lakers trade situations, I think like Greg Popovich doesn't want to trade with us. Like that one isolated scenario, like, yeah, that was a real thing. For these other teams, they're not operating on a day-to-day basis saying we want the Lakers to lose. They want everybody to lose. They want to win. And well, so Pritchard didn't do want things. to trade Paul George to the Lakers. I okay. All right. I mean, so that was kind of like, do you remember that when they were negotiating for Paul George those years ago? And there's like, yeah, oh, the Lakers trade to package is like more. Sorry to interrupt. That's fair. Just... Well, no, no, that's a good point. And he got kind of, you know, ripped for that. And right. uh, so it, that doesn't come without consequences because at the end of the day, the fan base and the ownership for these teams, for the most part, wants to be winning themselves. So they're, right. they sh- shouldn't be operating in ways that hurt them or make them worse off just to spite another team. It's not a good way to operate. It's not a good way to run a business. Um, so I, to a certain extent, I like, I, I think that's a bit overblown recently. I don't think that's been a big thing for the Lakers and frankly teams for every team, I'm sorry, uh, fans for every team, when they're looking at what can we trade for, what should we be able to get? They tend to overvalue their own guys right. and under, you know, right. a, a lot of the trades I see thrown out on like Twitter, like, that's not going to happen. That's unrealistic. Like <laughs> some of these six people think are going to happen are crazy. Um, so then naturally when a more realistic trade does happen, they're like, ah, Lakers tax because we didn't get what I thought we could for these players, that, you know, the other teams don't want. Um, so you can easily get into that conspiratorial mind in that way. But I think we've also seen like that desperation tax you're talking about, or, or maybe, I don't know if it's a Rob Palenka tax because he's been the guy at the helm for this period of time. I don't know if it's him or it goes beyond him and just, it's just the general situation, but the Lakers in the past have paid whatever it took to get that AD deal done. They've taken on contracts to bring players onto the team that are not team friendly, make them harder to trade as assets. And we talked about this, so we won't rehash that, but there's been a pattern of behavior where from a negotiation standpoint, we gave them our entire hand of cards and that's not ideal. So if you're a team trading with the Lakers, you know, you don't be, you don't want to be the first team that's not, you know, taking every card Rob Palenka has to give you if he's shown that he'll do it in the past. So I don't blame right. Indy for trying to get the most they can get. I don't blame the Lakers for not wanting to just throw everything at the wall immediately. And when we talk about desperation, I think what it really comes down to from a negotiation term standpoint is what is the Lakers BATNA, B-A-T-N-A, the best alternative to a negotiated agreement. And right now, if we don't get a deal done, Russ is coming back. And you don't want that. I don't want that. I don't think the Lakers want that. Most Lakers fans don't want that. So the difference between getting this deal done and having no trade is huge for LA. It's huge. For for Indy, they can run these two guys back and they're good players and they can probably move them later. They can move Turner for one first round pick. It's not the end of the world. Heald's deal deal is bad. He's overpaid, but it's a two-year deal. Like it's not like he's on some – You can get a contender to sign up for that. Yeah. Yeah, who needs shooting? You can – yeah. Probably like it's not like he's getting paid 30 mil a year for six years or something like that. Like right. he's not, it's a bad deal, but it's not all it's not, that bad. It's not deal. like a 30 million. What is it? Like 24? Yeah. 
He yeah, something like that. He and it and he declines year after year. I think he made 24 last year. He'll make like 22 this year, then right. 20 next year, something like that, or 20 and 18. So it, it goes down year over year. Two med level as the cap's going to be going up. So yeah. from a cap standpoint, it's you know as the cap goes up, it's even less of an issue. But so that best alternative to a negotiated agreement is what's really holding LA against the wall right now. They don't have other options. And this indie trade was they were trying to make it as their Atna for the Kyrie trade in order to lower the price on Kyrie. That didn't work. Now they're trying to, you know, see, you know, if this could happen. And honestly, from what I understand, these talks that we heard stalled were happening two weeks ago. I think Mm -hmm. it just took a while for this to come out. Um, Like a little bit had come out on the LA side and like, I don't, nobody reported it. Um, I'm surprised it took this long to get out on the indie side. But I think that speaks to the time frame we're talking about here. There's no trade deadline tomorrow. If the trade deadline was soon, we would have heard this leaked quicker to try to spark pressure or something into action. But at the end of the day, like the Lakers are trying to move Russ. Nobody really wants Russ. Indy sees LA as a way to get off of Heald and Turner together with good assets. The Brooklyn has their situation that we've talked about. And unless another team pops up, the Lakers aren't really improving their leverage unless something tangible happens. So with that understood, I think, like we mentioned before, Turner's worth one first to the Lakers. Heald isn't good, but I wouldn't say he's worth, you know, he's not He's not going to cost you a first-round pick to get off of. So he's more of a neutral asset in the grand scheme of things. And then getting off of Russ with, you know, the fact that nobody else wants to take him right now, you should ask for a first for his deal. And and when we compare the difference in what Russ added versus his money and healed, I kind of I kind of want to push back on that. He is okay. a forty seven million dollar expiring. Like, do those usually get assets attached to them? Maybe if there's multiple years left, but one year, like that's why they fucking want him in the first place. Mm-hmm. He ain't playing in a Pacers uniform. Yeah, no, he's he's not a player to them. He's this is a, a like. This but is that's what I mean. So situation. is that in in the particular Indiana scenario? Mm-hmm. Like he does not deserve a first. The only reason he deserves a first is because of the Lakers desperation and Indiana trying to capitalize on that second first, in my opinion, like, okay. like what you laid out is fair. And I think right under like 28 other teams, like maybe San Antonio is an exception too. Cause they could just take him in and say, we're just buying a first, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Yeah. In a vacuum, I agree with you. Uh, Given the situation, that's that's why it is where it is. But if right. if you know two other teams were to raise their hand and say, "Hey, we'll you know we'll take Russ, right?" Um, and we'll give you bad long term money, it wouldn't cost a first. That's like that's why the expiring matters is it gets you right. off of long bad long term money. So Russ and Yield kind of in a way could neutralize each other from a cost right. standpoint in a vacuum, right? But in this situation, the Pacers have a better bat now than the Lakers, and the Lakers don't have other good trade partners. So that's why I think the price ultimately is going to end up somewhere between a little more than a first, like a first in a couple seconds, to up to two first-round picks. I think maybe a first in a, a pick swap, a first in two seconds, a first in three seconds. Any of those, I think, is what I'd you know be looking to try to have done um, if the trade deadline were tomorrow, ultimately. I think I'd go up to two firsts because I, and we'll get into it. A lot of people are skeptical that this deal would make the Lakers a trade a title contender. They're skeptical of Heald, they're skeptical of Turner. We'll dig into them as players in a bit, but you know, we talked about the kind of fuck them picks attitude. Like if that's yeah. what, it, if the trade deadline is an hour from now, I'm, I'm pulling the trigger. 
Absolutely. But because it's not anytime soon, you should be trying to find the middle ground. And if the well, Lakers can ultimately get this done for a first in two seconds, I think we should be really happy with Rob and how he negotiated the situation. Okay, well then let's unpack that and try to take it to uh, like two different logical conclusions, right? What's the mm-hmm. scenario in which Indiana's Batna um, like comes closer to the Lakers in, you know, in in their, I guess, motivation in like blows up because that's hard yeah. to see. Well, because here, so here are their three motivations: the the picks, like the the picks they get back. That's you know, enticing. And that part doesn't really factor. But that into your doesn't question. change this, here to, now yes, to then. Yes. Right. The second piece is they're going to grab Russ, wave Russ. They've lost two contributing players and it opens up time for the young guys. They're going to rack up more losses, more or, experience, hopefully get better and tank. That again, I don't think matters. Or, the third thing is cap sorry. space. Right. The third thing is cap space. So if tomorrow Paul George said, you know what? I want to be a pacer again. I want to come home. And, you know, we need to find a way to get me home. And let's say, I don't know what his actual deal is, but let's say his contract runs up at the end of the season or something like, and the Pacers want cap space for 2023. This is a way to get to that. So that is the type of thing, maybe not him, but somebody. I, no, I understand. Say, I want to go to it, India. It's certain circumstance you know, happens where they could land a, pl- a big player and need cap space. That's all I can think of. Is there anything that comes so, to mind for you? For your second point there, I think you could take it even further and say the longer the season goes on, the cheaper Russ becomes when you bring you get him back to the less money you have to buy him out for. If you trade him at in February 1st, he's only going to have like what? Like 20 million left on his on his you contract. You can say the same for like healed and Turner too. But, so I but don't they don't I care about that. Lakers don't care about that on their end. If mm-hmm. we're going to get Russ, we can buy him out for even less. Because Turner and, and Heald make less than Russ. And okay. Yeah, no, you're right. There's oh, a disproportionate right, like, burn down right, of right. The, the cost. Okay. Right. It's, it's, I mean, it's, uh, you know, fringe, you know, you know, it's not a penny pinching needle, needle mover. But when you're a small market, and here's the yeah. other thing is, are the Lakers going to be willing to include like what is it up to like five million you can include in cash considerations, and say, okay, Russ is cost twenty. Here's five million with it. Mm-hmm. You know, and they bought the pick from Orlando, but I think that was technically the last league year, and so yeah. it resets, yeah. and you get you can send cash in a deal like that. Yep. Yeah, that could be. I, that's a good uh, trade ship to be able to throw into this, and something they should be negotiating. With. I mean, it's not nothing so, yeah. with a small market team who oh, struggled sure. to fill seats last year. Yeah, Indy's a team that in the past has not utilized tra- like exceptions they have to hold costs down because they knew they weren't going to be a title contender. So this kind of fits into that pattern of behavior for them. Uh, I'm glad you brought up money. I wanted to really quickly throw out because I think this is hilarious. <laughs> I pulled the um, value add numbers. For Turner, Heald, and Westbrook, given what their LeBron wins above replacement was. And so this is just, you know, it looks at the the salary cap, minimums, a bunch of other calculations to say for, you know, that LeBron war value of plus three or five or whatever. This is how many dollars it actually added, um, how much you were worth. Turner, his salary was 18 mil. He produced 14.7 mil under performance by, you know, 3.3. He only played 42 games. He played like half the season and produced like $15 million. Russell Westbrook in 78 games was paid, you know, $44 million and produced $8.5 million value add. 
you know, it was the le- it was the worst contract in the league of any player that played a game uh, in terms of the value because it was a you know thirty five point seven million dollar overpay for what he added. Turner played half the games rusted and added more value. Doing the math, Turner, if he would have only played twenty five games last season, he would have added more value than rusted in seventy eight. And then going the other way, it would have taken Russell Westbrook. 134 games played last season to generate the value Miles Turner did in 42 games. That's how big, like that's how different the caliber of impact is we're talking about. And then there's Buddy Heald who got paid 22.8 mil. He added uh, about 11 mil of value. So he's about, you know, overpaid by like $12 million, $10 million. That's bad. But overpaying on a $22 million guy who actually added more value than Russell Westbrook, who has like double the salary isn't the worst thing in the world. I have so that's questions. why he's not, you know, he doesn't cost you a pick to get off of. If if you if you do say Russ costs right. you a pick to get off of, he'll shouldn't because, you know, right. the, the, the difference in that value add. So first thing is I think you should allow those salaries to go into the negative. Like there needs to be a they wing do. of Avery players. Bradley, should, yeah, okay, based, okay, good. It's based on, so here's how it works. That's amazing. So Russ was an $8 million player. Then. That's <laughs> Well, this is why though. Because the – so our LeBron values, zero is an average player. And an average player should be better than like a replacement level player, like a, call, a G League call-up. If we call mm-hmm. Scotty Pippen up, how much – how good should he be? So in doing these calcs, you looked at how good have all the Scotty Pippen juniors of, of the world been, and we set that value. And that's kind of the benchmark. So if you're below a G League call-up, you're losing the team money on a minimum contract. If you're above that, you're going to be making money. So Russ – for playing 78 games, $8.5 million is a horrendous value add for the minutes he played. It's it's really, really poor. Um, but it's still better than what, you know, Scottie Pippen Jr. would have given you or, or another guy, you know, in his shoes. So that's where that number comes from. Avery Bradley, on the other hand, was below replacement value and did his value was like negative three mil or something like that. Incredible. Yeah. It's like when you clock in, you're like, Two hundred dollars, please. So <laughs> you need to pay two hundred dollars to work today. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. Just, just imagine that. Um, like, okay, so I think we're we're in agreement, and I think time. I personally think time is not on the Lakers' side, and I mm-hmm. do think there is. Um, um, Tell me why, it, because the reason you need to attach a first round pick to Russell Westbrook is because you're for lack of a better word, dirty laundry has been aired all over the league in public, stinking up the joint. You co- you're coming in. To, <laughs> you're coming in a time bomb. Every bomb. stadium stinking yeah. up the joint. They're seeing you uh, and your team blowing up on ESPN every day. They're laughing about it. You know, yeah, sure. You won the title two years ago, but anytime that they can get a chuckle out of Lakers woes, they will. So, mm-hmm. you know, oh, you need our help. Like, yeah, that's, it's going to cost a little bit extra just because fuck you. Yeah. You, you know how usually when like a coach gets fired, there will be some like hit piece coming out to like justify it. That's like all the dirty laundry. You know, stay tuned for that. Yeah. <laughs> um, stay well, tuned. No, but like, the opposite know, happened can, to Frank Vogel. They're like, this guy was great. He didn't get a fair shot. And it's just like completely disingenuous national media coverage because mm-hmm. they're from national media coverage. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But but still like this is what 
the GM in Florida in in Orlando is watching. This is what right, right. you know. I mean, obviously well, they're it, more in, informed like, than just that, but yeah. And the thing is, it's harder to pick apart. Like, hey, Frank Vogel's offensive scheme wasn't good. Like, that's that's less within grasp for take. like in the national media. Yeah. With Russell Westbrook, the kinds of stuff they're going to be able to say about him, just when, in terms of his like relation with other players, his willingness to adapt his relationship with Darvin Ham and Vogel and all of these other things, that's the kind of stuff that is very easy for anybody to be like, oh, wow, that's pretty shitty. So that's the kind of stuff that I I anticipate we're going to see a a good bit more of if he gets moved. If he doesn't get moved, we're going to continue hearing more coach speak, just like Vogel did, where it's like he's buying in, he has to sacrifice, you know, he's working real hard, all those things. Like they're not going to publicly criticize a guy under contract who's expected to play. He's not gonna be like, yeah, this asshole, you know, doesn't right. want to, doesn't want to defend or like he, you know, he's combative in, uh, you know, every time we point out a missed rotation, he screams at me and, and the film room or things like that. I'm not reporting those. I'm not saying those are true, but that's the kind of stuff you don't. But it sounds like po- possible. It sounds practical. It sounds it could. It, it, yeah. Uh, it, if it came it, out, we wouldn't be surprised. We, yes, exactly. <laughs> um, so, so. I, if yeah. the Lakers let this man come onto the roster and he just, you know, continues down the path that it's already going, I can see teams, you know, standing firm in that stance that you need to overpay. And the, the, by this time, the, the offer is doubled where you need right. to give me even more because you're even more desperate and we can see it all over you. Well, that's kind of the Lakers don't have more. It would be like, all right, we'll give us Austin Reeves, I guess. Yeah. Or like, don't ever be surprised. We want all your second, you know, there's, and I, you know, I rescind my last comment. There's more to give. The Lakers could give more than two first round picks. Sure. They, they, They don't have more first round picks to give, but they have more assets that they can give. They can give that five mil. They can give two unprotected first round picks. They can give Reeves. They can give a bunch of second rounders. There's a bunch that they can do. They can be like, we want that trophy in the title, in like mm-hmm. the trophy case. You, have you know, the we want to this. the 1980 NBA championship. <laughs> we, we want Genie's Beach House. Like, <laughs> there's a lot, you know. <laughs> How much would the rights to a previous championship be worth? So two first hilarious. round picks? An all-star? Anyway. <laughs> Yeah, so anyway, so but then my I, I, something I'm going to bring up, if teams aren't budging on the cost and if the Lakers are really trying to evaluate this, well, what would be the answer for why you wouldn't pull the trigger and would just bite the bullet, bring Russ back and just probably send him home or try to make it work and then send him home if it's not working? To me, it would be if the available trade packages clearly don't get us to title contention, it's not worth trading two first round picks. So that to me is the purpose of the the remainder of this podcast is does do Heald and Turner get you to title contention? If not, then it's, you know, it's not going to be fun. The team's not going to win, but it might be the right decision to not do it. What a segue, Tim. With that, let's take a break. (laughs) And on the other side, we'll talk about why I think this Heald Turner, uh, this yeah Heald Turner trade makes the Lakers like infinitely better than waiting for Kyrie. Um, coming up back right after this. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. 
Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. So we talked about it. We've potted about Miles Turner, I think, like five times now, Tim. And we keep <laughs> saying the same thing every time. But do us a favor and and dive deep into how AD and Turner can interact and it's like symbiotically on offense and defense so here the if i had to boil it down to like three sentences and i'll dig into them this is or two or three sentences here's what i'd say offensively turner with ad gives you the benefit that you would generally get with ad at the center where he has more space to attack in the post he's going to get to the rim more and lebron's going to get to the rim more everybody's going to get to the rim more because this the, the floor space Defensively, AD and Turner is the best front court defensive duo, duo in the NBA and allows you to overcome what, to be frank, is not elite guard defense and is not elite wing defense on this team. And it'll cover up a lot of mistakes and allow this team to be really good defensively. So offensively, Turner's an enabler. You're going to get to see AD and LeBron at their best. This is a move to prop them up and support them. If you don't think AD and LeBron propped up and supported with great spacing still have it, then this isn't the deal for you. But if you believe that those two guys can play better with better environment, this is a tangible thing you can do to give them that environment. If we just think about like looking at AD with Gasol, I think is the closest thing that we we have to look at from a Lakers standpoint for like what could it look like if he's paired with a spacing five. He got to the rim more. He got easier shots at the rim. He was a more effective post player. He shot a better uh, field goal percentage at the rim. His overall shot quality went up. His overall efficiency went up. Go check the numbers. Those things all happened. It was 80 as his best self. He wasn't jacking up threes. He was shooting less in the mid-range. It was 80 dominating the rim, which is what we've all been asking him to do. That's what people, whenever they're upset about 80, it's like, you're not dominating the rim enough. You're settling. This is an actual real basketball way to set him up to dominate the rim. Same thing goes for LeBron. Go look at the data. So that offensively is, is the pitch. And defensively, you know, with that Gasol group, his foot speed wasn't good. And they were still, you know, a great, great starting lineup for the first 44 games or whatever it was until he got COVID or injured or whatever happened to happen. Um, that group worked. This group would work better than that because Turner has more foot speed than Gasol and is a better shot blocker than Gasol. And, you know, what we've been saying for the past couple seasons and like I brought up the data. Every time I bring up the data, it's the same story. So I just 
try not to beat the the, the horse to death um, or beat the dead horse. Uh, but like <laughs> 80 as a five gives you the offensive spacing for your team to get to the rim. 80 as a five defensively in the most couple, you know, most recent seasons allowed the other team to get to the rim. And, 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 you know, it was really, how do we balance that? Cause then when you played 80 with Dwight or uh, I don't know, any other traditional center, DeAndre, whoever, offensively, your spacing stunk and your team was worse because your guys didn't get to the rim. AD and LeBron were held down. Defensively, you were set up, you know, even though those guys individually weren't great, it slotted AD into a better role for him and it allowed you to overcome a lack of wing strength and guard point of attack strength to be a better defense that kept other teams away from the rim. So that was the challenge. We used to try to, there was the seesaw of which side are we leaning towards this day? Turner allows you to win both of those. And I, to me, it's just, he's a clear enabler that his impact will be greater than his raw talent. And his raw talent is still solid. And he's a good enough uh, post player as well that like, if, if you're spacing the floor out and AD's attacking in the post against a power forward who he'll kick ass against compared to going up against the center, which is an issue with LeBron, with AD playing center, him against these freaking six 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 seven schmucks that are trying to play power forward in today's NBA, he's going to kill him in the post. And so you might say, oh, well, what if you try to just put your center on him and have your power forward on Miles Turner? Same thing could happen. Miles Turner, super high post frequency, um, and in elite, he was in the 99th percentile in stable points per possession in the post. He's going to, he's going to destroy you if you're a small guy in the post. He's not someone we want in the post a ton, but that is a built-in easy counter to if teams are trying to play that way. So I don't know. It's, it's easy to me. It makes things so much easier. You don't, you know, you can stick AD as the, the in or the dunker spot guy in the four out one in, and you've got spacing for LeBron to suddenly look like a you know, a better version of LeBron and AD to look like a better version of AD. So I have a, what do you feel about Turner's injury history? Because it's not like Robert Williams level can't stay on the court, but he has had some pretty significant time missed over the last five seasons. Uh, I don't have the numbers in front of me. I just know he's been, not on the court all the time. Is that a concern for you in trading for him? And would you feel that like Thomas Bryant and Damian Jones can kind of mm-hmm. fill in those gaps if he would to get injured for a couple months? So first thing, right. our alternative right. Damian Jones are all good right. is, as is. And then you've got, you know, you could play 80 at center and that immediately slots other guys worse. And, you know, we talked about that. Um, here's uh, Miles Turner's games played each season. 81, 65, 74, 62. That's, you know, mostly pretty good. You'd like, you know, 70s, 80s, but 62, 65, it's not the worst thing in the world. You can you can work around that. And then the past two seasons, 47 and 42. And it's been a somewhat open secret that this most recent season, the season he played 42 games, he was healthy for a big portion of the time he did not play. And it that was when they was, were trying to trade him at the deadline, right? I think they kind of yeah. held him out a little bit. Yeah, it was him or them. Like he, he could have played more. So in in a way, his injury last season was overblown. He could have okay. played sixty games, which isn't again. It's not the worst. You'd like better, but it's, it's not the worst. No, it, it's where you don't really worry about it too too much. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty normal. Um, so to me, with that one adjustment, we now see a guy who's been like mostly pretty healthy, except for two seasons ago. And I'm no doctor, but from reading 
opinions from doctors on the internet, his injury from two seasons ago isn't one that we should expect him to have any heightened risk for moving forward. And same thing with the one last year, these, these foot fractures. So from my perspective, knowing what I know about how last year was overblown and then getting that outside perspective that, you know, we shouldn't be super concerned about those injuries just on their own. I'm not all that concerned about him. Okay. Um, so if we can get 60, 70 games out of if we can get 60 games out of him, I think, yeah. it's, you know, he's going to add a shit ton of value and it's still going to be well worth it. And you have Jones and you have Bryant and you have AD that can play center minutes. It's not like your alternative is like DeAndre Jordan. And it's like, oh, crap. Like, we're really in a rough place right now. Like, Bryant's a dart throw. Jones, I think, is is a very good player. Um, he'll he'll play well. He'll play well enough. And AD is, you know, not a bad backup center option to have as well. So I'm not all that concerned about it. Okay. So... All right, let me let me unpack this then. Miles Turner, I every time we talk about him, I've you know well, I want it. Please give it to me. I please <laughs> Lakers. And the more I've thought about it, the more it comes up. I want to ask you. All right, now take out all the All Stars players who have been an All Star level players as of right now in the league. Right? Is there anyone you can have your pick of? any non-all star on any team i don't think i would pick anyone above miles turner if you could give them to me on this lakers team i think he makes that big of a difference in all the ways you described it's synergistic with ad uh the spacing the floor it's almost like goberian levels of even mm-hmm. better levels of rim protection as far yeah. as building out a great defense you can have an austin reeves on the wing like you're saying who can guard up and get beat sometimes and they just can't, will not get to the rim with mm-hmm. ease it will be like the amount of margin for error you have on the perimeter defense just makes it way more practical to play a buddy healed or someone else that you can you know live Lonnie with walker. yeah lonnie walker right so to me there is like no absolutely other player that does what miles turner does to his level i think i would rather have next to ad like all these guys. Yeah. There's I mean, no and I'm not other... talking like Kevin Durant. Like that's why I said yeah, non-all-stars, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know? Mm-hmm. I'm, I mean, I'm sure that there might be somewhere missing that could be in the conversation, but if I, I can't name another player, who's a better center combination of perimeter shooting and rim protection than miles Turner gives you. Now he's not a good post defender. That doesn't hurt you unless you're playing Philly in the finals or, you know, if you're playing Denver, you're going to have some options there. I don't feel awful about that. Um, But he's a good on-ball defender. He's okay in drop. He's okay in mobile coverages. But he's mobile enough and an elite rim protector that defensively, he'll be fine. It's not going to be a weakness. He'll be a plus there. And he's so good as a help guy. He's so good as a rim protector that it's it's just going to be fantastic. Like if AD gets pulled out to the perimeter, like we saw last season, and then they move the ball and someone slashes to the rim, instead of having... Stanley Johnson defending the rim or LeBron James trying to defend the rim who might do well as like threes, but as fours mm-hmm. defending the rim aren't, you know, adding a ton of value there. You've got freaking a second elite rim protector defending the rim. Like at all times, given where those two guys are going to be on the court, unless they're 
on ball and strong side corner, you will have an elite rim protector guarding the rim just about. So I, I, I agree with you. I don't know that I can name another player that's going to be better, a better fit for AD. And this is someone that is also, what is he, 26? Um, I'm going to double check that real quick. So I got the, yeah, 26. So he's someone that can, you know, we can keep around with AD for a number of years and you can have that as a core piece of your team. And like you mentioned, it makes it easier to play guys like uh, Lonnie Walker or a buddy healed or like it, it opens up avenues for other players to be acceptable and your team still do well, even if they're individually poor defenders that otherwise you just don't have. And that's been a big issue with 80 at the center position is suddenly it puts a lot more stress on everybody else to rotate well, to defend the rim well, and to not allow those, those point of attack breakdowns to happen. Yeah. So I have a, I have a proposition for you. Um, have you seen these like Miles Turner videos where he's like building like the Millennium Falcon and Legos? I I've, I haven't watched them, but I've seen them pop up, and I'm a big so, Lego guy, so I'm in. Oh, are you? He's uh, you should watch. He's 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 a fan. He is also a big okay. Lego guy. I should say I was a big Lego guy as a child. I don't know the last time I've touched Legos, but I probably have like thousands of dollars. Wow, you Legos. fucking like, back under my quick. guest, my <laughs> under my guest bed in my uh, guest room. Um, <laughs> I at one point had a Millennium Falcon. I had the Death Star. I had a Star Destroyer. I had. All, I'm a big Star right. Wars guy, right. I, and I am still a big Star Wars guy. I haven't touched the Legos in a while, but you know when my oh, kids are getting into that, I'm gonna love it. He's on it. He's got okay. all of that. He's it's gonna you know, have made giant thousand piece Lego things, right? No, I'm not hating on it before it. I yeah, no, I just want to make a proposition. I think if uh, correct me if I'm wrong, he is expiring though, isn't he? Like he, I think that there's somewhat of a concern. Is like if you trade for him, will he want to resign? I think his contract's up fairly soon, so check me on that. Yeah, let and, me double check real quick. But I that sounds right. so. Yeah, he is a he has one more season, and then he is a uh, free agent. He's not a restricted free agent, but the Lakers would have full bird rights on him. So it's easier, definitely, to bring him back. It's just a consideration, right? So I'd be like Miles. Yeah. I know you only have a year left. Come out here, and we will let you build a life size replica of Staples Center, not crypto. Ooh, a and life we'll size it, replica. Yes, yes. This <laughs> is your. To be fr- job outside of basketball for as long as you're in los angeles oh my lord how long we get lego to i don't care like i want to keep him here that long until he dies for all i care i'm talking cranes get it coming in and dropping lego pieces that he builds yeah i'm I'm hearing you say life-size you you mean life-size yes okay where is rid of the whole la convention center that's right next you know to Staples. Oh, okay. And you make Get it. Get rid of that Clippers building thing. Kick <laughs> yeah. them out. Blow that up. Knock that down. Like, Miles, then- I would like to commission you for a $2 billion Lego construction project. Hey, man. Circumventing the like- cap. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Let's start a uh, – Tom, we need to start I one need of those. It, like, um, I need you know him on the creating- Lakers. Uh, NIL collectives for like college teams. Yeah. Where like it's just like a bunch of like, you know, University of Texas fans are just like, I need, you know, we need to win. We've got money. Like, we're gonna go start recruiting high school kids. We yeah. have no no connection to the school. Yep. Um, and like setting these like we should do that as our cap circumvention for for the Lakers. 
I, I I need him on the team too. Hey, actually, I'll re- I'll retract. I'll say that would be an interesting idea. That's not you know not actionable. That's uh, right. We can't get sued. We cannot get. We're not in trouble. No affiliation. There's no cap circumventing. This is. I'm just an uh-huh. ideas man. Yeah. You know what I mean, I don't even want to cut. If someone put that together. I just want him on the team. Officially licensed Legoland yeah. attraction for Miles Turner. There you go. There's another one. Yeah. You get a a, a whole wing of Legoland. Just for you. Do you know how many followers he has on Twitter? No. Let's look it up. Let's see. He's. I'm gonna guess like he's kind of a weirdo. Five. I'm gonna guess like six million. Is he's, that too high? I think that's too high. But I would I would guess oh, like four hundred thousand. Four hundred thousand. Yeah. <laughs> I've got no grasp on this. He's a quarter million followers. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that sounds right. How many followers does like Austin Reeves have? Oh no, he doesn't have a Twitter. Um, no, or yeah. he lost his Twitter password. Who? Uh, Malik Monk. Malik Monk. Because I'm just wondering, like, how much, and this isn't talked about enough. We, we talk about, like, the tax break working, you know, being in Florida or Texas. Mm-hmm. Oh, Malik was 166,000. And he's a he's a worse player than Miles Turner. Interesting. Okay. He's been in bigger uh, markets. Yeah, yeah. So I would imagine there's a tremendous value add for a guy like Turner to get to a big market from indianapolis and should be able to see those benefits the fact that he has that lego hobby can absolutely play can in his favor and <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah no yeah. we'll get him on lego masters i'm not like even a guest kidding host or something thousand yeah, like, percent are, what helps the lakers some real things that can happen like yeah. you, as the lakers like you when we talk about like built-in advantages you yeah. have a great location and not just because it's like nice weather there You've great weather it's opportunity you've got the beaches and the opportunity. You have to lean into the opportunity. That's part of, you know, whether we like it or not, that's part of why LeBron is mm-hmm. with the Lakers. And so lean into that. It, it shouldn't be like, oh, he only came there for the, like, we want that to be part of everybody coming here. And we mm. want it to be, you know, a little bit in our favor for everyone we're trying to court. Absolutely. And I think and the Lakers do a pretty good job with that. And if you're part of a winning team, you're going to get the love. You will feel mm-hmm. the love. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's the double edged sword is if it, if you're not you won't if it's yeah bad you're russell westbrook right it speaking of not feeling the love do you want to talk about buddy Heald? yeah let's do it because he's the other guy that has been connected to the lakers for two and he's a half good. years he's, he's good, fine i don't feel he is transformative in the way that miles turner is but his shooting his shooting might be so like how mm-hmm. uh you know, interchangeable can he be from the role he's had the last few years to just plop into the Lakers? Well, I don't want that. That's the thing is I don't want him to do for us what he did the past couple of seasons, the way okay. he was used the past couple of seasons in, in like your words with how you, with how you like to talk about. And I think this is a great way to talk about the players is like, there was fat in his game. There were yeah. things he was doing that maybe he was doing because the, the team didn't have other guys to do it or maybe he was doing yeah. them because the team was like all right well to justify his money he needs to be good at this thing so we'll try to you know help him do it more he shouldn't be running ball screens he ran 447 ball screens last year jesus christ like <laughs> that's too many tom he's terrible he's such a bad ball screen to, uh, so he did player. start the, the year on sacramento he just started the year in Sacramento. He played for Indiana. His his ball screen offense was not good in like, either Was his role situation. significantly different in one or the other? Like, was, was more of those happen at one place? Like, for, like so he per ratio? Was, 
he was slotted in as like the second highest overall big picture, second highest scoring possessions per game in each individual situation he was in. Okay. He was the number two option on their team. And mm-hmm. uh, you know, wasn't a primary pick and roll guy, but got 447 of them throughout the year. And Jesus. his efficiency from team to team didn't really change all that much. Like, this is not a strength of his game. If you want to score, you know, if you want a 76 offensive rating with him against with him against like catch hedging. Like, go ahead, I guess. But that is not what I'm looking for. Um, I've got the data pulled up in front of me. I was able to get this from a source with second spectrum access. It's horrendous. It's a train wreck. Um, And so if you can allocate like 500 possessions of his to spot ups or like off screen plays or things like that transition, um, he's immediately a much more efficient player. And that's the big thing, I think, with me looking at Heald's data is his his overall data is a much it's a reflection of how he was used with his talent. If you change he was how change how he was used, and you just look at him doing things he's he's good at, he's a much better player. Like third, you know, you can look at his thirty six percent three point shooting. He shot forty one percent on spot up threes the past three seasons. He shot thirty nine percent on spot up threes this season. In transition, he shot thirty nine percent on threes, forty three percent the last three seasons. Off screen, thirty six percent on threes, thirty six percent the last three seasons. On ball screens, he shot 32% and 32%, or I'm sorry, 33% the last three years. And handoffs, generally like not, you know, run off a ball screen, try to read the floor, make a play. Handoffs with him are usually dribble at him, pitch the ball to him, and he jacks it three up. Shot 39% on those. Um, and, and ISO shot 29% on threes. Like cut the ISO out, cut the pick and roll attempts out, let him be a spot up guy, and he's going to put up 40% on threes with the shot quality the Lakers can get him give him. And if he doesn't get to that shot quality, it's because he's got tremendous gravity. And that just like with Miles Turner is going to help LeBron and AD play better. Like, I don't know. You can't look at individual games from him or or stat lines and say like, ah, like I don't like this percentage because it's not how he's going to play for the Lakers. This is like a very tangible. He's going to play different. He wasn't optimized situation. And to me, it makes it really obvious that he's, he's undervalued by a lot of folks that just don't don't know his game or are just looking at those box score numbers. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I like buddy. It, I mean, naturally his usage rate will probably go down. He's not going to be near a second mm-hmm. offensive yeah. option. So, you know, what does he get from what's a 477 ball screens? So he like get that, 20% yeah. of that on the Lakers. I'm sure it's not going to be zero because they be will zero. need yeah. some late shot clock or, you know, second mm-hmm. unit creation probably yeah. in any lineup he's in, but naturally his change, his shot profile will just change. And then you can start to call it and, and, you know, organize it even more, um, emphatically, but I'm worried, Tim, because mm-hmm. they mm-hmm. they haven't been able to use movement shooters in the past few seasons. Is it the players or is it the system or is it both? It was both, but we've got a different coaching staff with a different system. Uh, I've seen in summer league, the Lakers tried to use Cole Swider as an off-screen shooter, as a movement shooter, and, and they did a pretty good job with it. I think if you have healed as a movement shooter or an off-screen shooter – that's going to, you know, that's gravity. That's going to be efficiency. That's going to make life easy for other players. And it's also going to make the potential for Cole Swider to like play minutes and have impact higher as well. Because if the one way to get Cole Swider on the court, and this is a quick tangent, but for the Swider fans out there, 
if the pitch for Swider to be able to play, you know, well enough offensively to justify his defense is that he's an off-screen shooter and that commands more gravity, he's going to get more threes up, he's going to have a higher impact, more points. It's hard to build into your offense where, you know, your first group and your second group, you're not running off-screen stuff because you don't, that's not stuff that you're going to run with this team as constructed Lonnie Walker or with Kendrick Nunn or Austin Reeves. Like those aren't off-screen shooters. So going from none of that to then installing specific set plays for one deep bench guy isn't realistic to me. If you can have Heald out there doing it for 30 minutes a game and then, you know, he gets hurt or you just want to get Swider some minutes, you already have the playbook with that, you know, chapter into it that'll allow him to be able to do the stuff that he needs to be doing. Um, so that's a, a very quick aside, but I don't remember what the question was. That's a, No, I mean, that's... <laughs> That's what I was looking for. It's just so okay to to kind of wrap things up and put it in perspective as far as where we fall on this tray. Mm-hmm. Does a closing lineup of Kendrick Nunn, Buddy Heald, LeBron James, Anthony Davis, and Miles Turner, do you think that is a championship contending closing five? I think either that or you sub Austin Reeves in for none if Austin is hitting his threes well, just to add that point of attack defense. And then offensively, he can just face the floor and stand around um, and give you some secondary you know, attacking. But none is a good catch and shoot three-pointer shooter as well. So if I think Reeves would be a step up defensively. If he can proxy none offensively, you might go that route. But to answer your question, I think that is a really competitive group because you're going to see AD and LeBron unleashed. Yeah, And I went into the rota- the Lakers rotation tool that I've had up for a couple of years. I refresh it when we get new players. Mm-hmm. I just refreshed it recently. And yesterday I was trying to build lineups that had the team as constructed. And it was hard. <laughs> and it wasn't fun. And it's so clunky. And it's going to be really difficult for that team to be a good team. I, that team's a play-in team at best to me. Uh, I today added a couple tabs where I put heel and Turner in. And immediately, it's so easy for you to go in and create lineups that make sense where you expect the lineups to be winning their minutes for like 46 of the 48 minutes. And and tons of lineups where AD and LeBron are set up to succeed. You've got shooting. You've got defense. You've got playmaking spread out. It makes it easier to play Lonnie Walker. It, it just – it's such a big boost. It makes things so smooth. Something that was so great about that title Lakers team 2019-2020 was all those connector pieces that were just easy plug-and-play guys. Caruso, Danny Green, KCP. You didn't have to run stuff for them. They were just able to do what they do as elite role players in their roles. And that was enough for the Lakers team that didn't have a like clear third scoring option to be an elite team because they set their stars up well and they had elite defense. To me, this trade does the same thing. So if you believe AD and LeBron can be those guys again, and AD doesn't have to shoot 37% from three or something like that for this mm-hmm. to happen because he can dominate at the rim with this kind of setup. This, you know, I believe in AD. I believe in LeBron. This is the kind of group that as long as they're healthy, which is, you know, the disclaimer for no matter what trade you make or if you don't make a trade, if they're not healthy, you don't have any shot. If they're healthy, this gives you a real shot at winning a title. I agree. That five to me, and I agree with what you were saying with Austin. I, I think I'm leaning none more toward, well, you know, guys got to stay on the court as well because mm-hmm. there, he's just a, a little bit more experienced. Um, he's played in playoffs. He's played kind of bad in some playoffs, but, you know, it's it 
it's not to say Austin can't do it. It's just a little bit harder of a time when if you really want five pieces on the court and, you know, heel does worry me if I'm being mm-hmm. honest defensively. Yeah. So you might you need sure. Austin next to him to kind of help solidify that. But that lineup is abs can, I think, absolutely go toe to toe with most offenses on and keep their head above water and like this is a defensive built team who can occasionally get hot from three you know make make some shots and and help that you know winning percentage go up when they're playing just suffocating defense yeah well and he between healed non-lebron and turner you've got four three-point shooters yeah right there so it's not it's like in some ways iterations of of this roster would be better from three than that title Lakers team. So I think the defense is there. Like you said, it's going to be a defense first team, but this is the perfect, like, you know, how is that not worth a second first? It's gotta be to me. It's gotta be, I understand why it isn't today. And we, you know, we talked about that earlier, but at the end of the day, if the trade deadline was right now, I'm doing it because this is your last best shot. Okay. So say the trade deadline package is more expensive with seconds and maybe, um, maybe not Reeves, but maybe a THT or, uh, you know what I mean? Somebody else. And that's what you got to worry about. Cause at the end of the day, like at that point, you don't have time to find an alternative at right. that point. If, if this is what we're talking about an hour before the trade deadline, your bat nut is real bad right now. So they right. can ask for more. And then you might have to just succumb to whatever they're asking in cave. Uh, so, you know, I think you're making a strong pitch for them to maybe take more proactive action and and get this done sooner than they may need to because the cost may increase over time. To me, it's just the fastest and clearest path to you being a very, very good team. And yeah. I think it makes them significantly better than only adding Kyrie Irving for relatively the same package. Um, yeah, I really, 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 really hope Rob gets this done sooner mm-hmm. than later so we can end the Russell Westbrook era and really have a, a strong team to look forward to. Yeah. What, and then one last thing on this, because if you make this trade, you're down to like one true point guard with Kendrick Nunn. Mm-hmm. Rotationally, there ha- the question has to be asked, who, how do you play the point guard position? I've seen people who say start Nunn and then have like Walker play it off the bench. Um, I'm of the belief that you start Reeves, Heald, LeBron, AD, and Turner, and then you're able to, and I'm looking at my rotation map right now, and then you're able to get Kendrick Nunn for long stretches with bench units and then also some with, you know, starting guys where he's the guy. Because with the starting group, Reeves can be your nominal point guard, just like KCP or Avery Bradley were with the title team, because LeBron can be that primary playmaker. If you start Nunn and you've got LeBron out there, when both of them sit, how do you make that work? That to me is when all of a sudden things stall offensively. And that's why I've got their minutes set up where they stagger basically between LeBron and none. And there's overlap, but there isn't a minute on my rotation map where one of them isn't on the court. And then also to your point earlier, I've got Reeves and Heald kind of matched up pretty frequently. So my backcourt has some defense with it. Um, and I think between all that, and then maybe the closing group, you've got none out there. But in order to not just have like, the best lineup for you know a minute or two but have the best 48 minute lineup map i can see this team starting reeves in order to help just like slot things easier 
I yes, I I hope so. Especially well, again, if the shot's not falling, it makes this a little bit more straightforward and yeah. makes them a lim- more limited player. But mm-hmm. um, I think probably what happens is they just sign somebody like DJ Augustine. Yeah, they probably sign you know uh, Darren Collison after buying him dinner fifty <laughs> times. Yeah, you I know, don't think like, they're gonna sign Schroeder though. That's a name I've seen floating around. They don't. Oh yeah, uh, why not this? Uh, the Schroeder experience. I mean, I was wasn't, there. I, I get it. it. But not just from our perspective, but sure. from player perspective. Right. You know, it might, there might be things beyond just like his play or his attitude, which, you know, in a way he was kind of like a less intense Russ version of that. Like I'm the guy kind of attitude that, caused some conflict but beyond that like i don't know i'm not gonna say anymore (laughs) i mean at the very least you sign him to a vet minimum and just tell him to go home like he he is more valuable than a vet minimum correct yeah on the court yeah yeah so i mean that's just if you can manage the other stuff you know it's it's worth a worth consideration Right. One way or another, I think this team would need to add a point guard. Right. I don't want to go into the season with like Kendrick Nunn, Austin Reeves, and like Scotty Pippen Jr. as your point well, guard. Well, as far as I'm concerned, options. they already do because Russell Westbrook's unplayable. So, but, you know, <laughs> we'll see. We'll but see. like if, if Austin's three doesn't fall, this gets harder. If yeah. Austin's three is falling, this is a beautiful, yeah. like, I love it. But I it, actually like, I, I, strong, I feel strongly about this rotation map. I think it's really good. In this team's one trade, really Tim, you overhaul a roster. Like, that that is to say that the Lakers aren't so far away. This is just a particularly like perfect trade that is mm-hmm. actually being discussed. And if you get squeamish, like you gotta recognize sometimes you gotta pay, but you only pay for what you're gonna get the value from, what you're mm-hmm. confident in, what you believe in. Yeah. And if you overpay for it, no one cares if you win a championship. Or even if you get mm-hmm. to the finals after the year you had last year, if you're back yeah. to a competitive we had a was 10% shot. shot, then right. you did the right thing. Yeah. And like with this one trade, you infuse talent, you infuse shooting, youth? much needed shooting. You infuse some youth, you infuse d- really big defensive upgrade, and the fit just in general is, is tremendously better than it currently is with this team, with or without Westbrook. And then you also have to look at, like, we will make more of Buddy Heald than this, the Kings and the Pacers did. He will be a more efficient player. He will be a higher impact player because we are going to cut out the fat in this game. That's a no-brainer to me. Ham as a number four option or a number three option versus being a number two option makes a real, real big difference. And if we're looking at how you analyze players changing situations – Role environment, role and environment are those two things. And the Lakers will have the defensive environment and the, the offensive role change for him that really sets him up to succeed. So I think it's a no-brainer. I need it, Tim. I hope it happens. Um, but you never know these days. Get it done, Rob. Um, mm-hmm. Let's close it out, though, Tim. What else you got for us? So we wanted to have a little fun. And really, uh, you know, I want to get – I would talk about more than just the Lakers, but you know, other people talk about like other teams in the league and stuff. Let's talk about like basketball and basketball situations. And <laughs> what I did was I went onto the, uh, am I the asshole Reddit page? And, and I think we can do this as a series. Maybe we close every pot or every couple of pots with, with these examples. Cause I think they're hilarious. Oh my God. Um, the situation that I'm just going to read it and then we'll, I'll get your take on it. 
am I the asshole for humiliating my sister by dunking on her in a basketball game in front of our entire school? Recently, our high school organized a co-ed basketball game that was between two different mixtures of the boys and girls varsity basketball teams. My sister, uh, 18-year-old female, and I, 17-year-old male, who respectively play for our boys and girls varsity teams, ended up on opposing teams. The game was fairly close, but my team ended up winning 52 to 44, while I scored 10 points and my sister scored eight. One of my scores came from a moment in the game where I dunked on my sister. He says, I'm 6'1", and she's like 5'5". I'll admit, after the dunk, and in, in parentheses, he puts, my sister was on the ground after she tried to contest the dunk. So he, like, totally knocked her down. Uh, I kind of stared her down while she was on the ground. <laughs> to be honest, I only stared her down because it was my sister. So obviously, while I love her, I was still, it was still kind of personal, LOL. When we were coming home, my sister started yelling at me for humiliating her in front of the entire school. And even my mom was kind of pissed. Although my dad didn't say anything, so you probably thought it was okay. <laughs> Am I the asshole? <laughs> Do you want to go first or should I? I'll let you go first, Tom. Uh, yes, you're an asshole. I think it's pretty straightforward. <laughs> the moment he says, I kind of stared at her, uh, <laughs> stared her down. Bro, you stared her down. There's no kind of staring her down. Like you mm -hmm. showed her up physically, like, of course, you're going to be able to dominate that. And um, like you went for the dunk instead of just probably laying it up instead of going all like it's a competitive. This is an exhibition game, right? So, yeah, maybe mm -hmm. they have some personal like I want to go against you one on one for a possession. But if the whole school's there watching, man, like just throw up the sky hook, bro. Just just, yeah. throw, just throw up the up and under. <laughs> Get her, you know, off her position and like dunking on her is, is that's, that's a little much in my opinion, personally, but yeah. it's funny as shit. <laughs> it's really funny. I think if you tweak this in very small ways, this becomes acceptable. Like if right. it were his brother. Right. Correct. I'm okay with that. Yes. Or if it was him versus his sister, 1v1 at home with nobody watching. Right. You know, that's mean, the but public humiliation <laughs> is, is kind of sets it over the edge. I think it's a bit much. Uh, for the school, to, I mean, and then there's also like I've played, I've played plenty of pickup basketball in my life. I've played organized basketball. I've you know played against men and women and you know older people and all kinds of groups. When you go to play pickup, just if you were to go to like LA Fitness today, you're you're gonna you know you're gonna give it what you got. And if you, I don't know, would you dunk on somebody in a pickup game if nobody's watching? If it's a stranger. My philosophy in pickup is or I exert right, right, right. It, but if it's a girl, if it's a no, no, this is my philosophy. Period. Like okay. those extra like athletic plays become way more dangerous in pickup because mm. people don't know how to play. That's fair. And, that's fair. And so if I'm going to make like an extra athletic play, it's like in space. Like I'm okay. not going to do it near anyone because people don't know how to fucking get out of the way. And so mm -hmm. they don't get hurt. And so they don't hurt me. So I yeah. do as little athletic stuff and pick up as possible by risk. Like I just, it's like more just cause I'm getting older and mm -hmm. I'm not trying to ruin the rest of my <laughs> personal daily life by yeah. like, from an injury and pickup. Right. I, yeah, I need to do a better job with that. I just had to take a, a period off from playing pickup because I went the one day and I'm a, you know, 
playing in the post. You're taking and, charges and shit. Well, so I did take one charge and they caught, they were like, we acknowledge this was a charge. However, we do not accept. <laughs> yeah. We do not accept that this was an offensive foul. The offense, the other team got to check the ball up again That's and then they scored and won the fantastic. game. Fantastic. It, it was a potentially, it was a game saving charge. Like he made the bucket. I took the charge. They were like, we count this, but we don't count it. It was awful. Um, but if you take, if you know how to take charges, well, to me, like I've never gotten hurt on a charge. I don't know anyone who's got hurt taking a charge. People do get hurt taking charges, just like everything else in basketball. But I think it's overblown a little bit as as a thing. But uh, I was, you know, playing in the post, and when you post up against people who don't know how to play basketball, it can get dangerous because they yeah. don't know how to defend. They're defending with their hands, not their feet, yeah. not their bodies. Like I'm backing you. you up with my legs and yeah. with with my butt. Like yeah. I'm gonna, you know, get position, carve out position that way. I'm gonna bury you. I'm gonna put you in a body bag, and then I'm gonna shoot my jump jump hook. Um, when when you like duck it, I put a swim move on someone and duck in and like try to get position on them legally, basketball legally, but it's somebody like physically imposing themselves on you. People just start throwing punches. People yeah. elbow you. People yep. just start pushing you two hands in your yep. lower back, which is a foul in basketball. Any of those things are a foul in basketball. But in pickup, no one's calling any of that. And like, yeah. like if you're playing pickup and someone's like, they're, you know, they're pushing me too much in the post as I'm ducking in on them. Like, that's not an acceptable thing to do. So I got drilled so many times in my lower back that I had to like take a, a couple weeks off. Yeah. Because um, people don't know what they're doing. But yep. so to get back to it, I don't know. I, I used to be able to dunk and it was such a good feeling. Such a good feeling. I couldn't dunk over people. <laughs> I was right. like barely, barely there. Um, I couldn't palm the ball all that well. So that made it more challenging and I could jump just high enough. I'd say that in this situation, this person's the asshole because it's in public, because it is a girl, whether it was their sister or not. I think it being their sister makes it slightly less worse. But it's still right. not close to being okay. Right. I actually think it does make it worse because the whole yeah. school knows that's your sister. Nah. And like, again, if it was a random girl, you look like an <laughs> asshole in a different way. Um, yeah. So it, it's there's levels to it, I think. But yeah, it's, I don't know. I get in the heat of competitive spirit. Like, you probably didn't have that long to think about it that seriously. And you thought... Oh, I can dunk, so I'm just gonna do it because dunks are fucking awesome, mm -hmm. you know. And so I, I look, I understand why you made the choices you did, but you know, at the end of the day, it's just kind of like an exhibition game where you don't have to like yeah. the staring her down part is also like okay, that's just yeah. dunk and move on, dude. You already if dominated <laughs> the situation. Yeah, if this was him dumping dunking over a dude. And staring them down and winning the game. It's fine. Like, this should be on a completely different Reddit page. It should be yeah. on, like, celebrating, like, yeah. my dub or something like that. Yeah. Like, that's awesome. That's the story you tell forever. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but, but yeah, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, bud. Uh, I can't even read his name. You're an asshole. And this one was tagged as asshole in the, yeah. in the Reddit <laughs> as well, which I think is hilarious. Yeah. I mean, okay. look, it's, it's clear cut. I think so. I think so. <laughs> all right sam so uh before we get out of here uh shout out the discord and let people know how they can get in and all that yeah let me pull that up and let me also say adding on to that last thing there are also plenty of women that can like kick my butt in basketball kick Absolutely. Many guys butts in basketball like you know this isn't just a oh, well because they're you know they're inherently worse or something like that like i've i've lost basketball games to like are like D1 women's players before. 
Um, damn. I hope good. that goes Ath- without like saying. Athletes but, are athletes. Uh, yes. Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah, yes. yeah. Just wanted to clarify that just in yes. case anyone misinterpreted. Yes. But these are um, amateurs. They're not professionals. You know, so it's just a different. Right. So speaking of the Discord, uh, if you if you're in there, you've already heard. I mean, I talked to, uh, two weeks ago, I think, about the stalled trade talks. Uh, I, we talked about some of this fit, this trade versus the Kyrie trade. Dug into that a little bit. Um, you know, having good conversation in there. I shared my like rotation map, although I, I think I tweeted that out as well. But you get stuff either early or you get stuff that other people aren't getting from me. Um, and there's also just great conversation happening and like a lot of smart people in there that have ideas or things that like, I didn't even think of, I'm like, oh, wow, that's a great point. And that can help, you know, shape your analysis of the game. Um, wonderful, wonderful community talking all the time about basketball, baseball. Uh, there's a, like a WWE channel in there, I think, um, all kinds of different things. But if you want to get into that group, DM me or Tom or our podcast Twitter account. I'm at Tim underscore NBA. Tom is at Creative Destroyer. But preserve, uh, take out which vows. Oh you take God. out some Just of the vows, but not all the vows. People vowels. know my app. Um, or at Lakers X Pod or Lakers X Pod. Um, Send us a five-star review of the podcast or just check out the link in my bio and it'll have the explanations and, and ways to get in from there. Uh, once you're in there, so much great stuff. want to shout out all the great folks in there currently, like Mike H. and TJ Timotaji uh, for generous, generously supporting the pod as arena sponsors, as well as to Zach Harris, QDaddyO, iPod Shuffle, Romario, Ch- uh, Chamber, Miguel, T. Shuttleworth, Omar, Ham Slamwich, Eric, Roy, and Doppel for living the high life with us in the owner's box. And then also shout out all the courtside and lower bowl crew folks who support what we do here. It really keeps us going. It's, you know, it's, it's a lot of fun having those extra conversations, having that high level, uh, you know, high caliber discussion with folks about stuff. It's, it's a different kind of audience. We'll sometimes run polls in there and be like, what do you think about this? And like the distribution of answers will be very different from like, if you just threw it on Twitter and had a bunch of random people chiming in. So it's, it's a great group. It's a fun group that like I learned from, and I hope, you know, it's a good environment for them to learn from me and others. So you'll, you'll enjoy basketball a bit more, enjoy the Lakers season a bit more when you have it with that community to celebrate or, you know, uh, vent with. So hop on in there and, uh, you know, keep the conversation going. There you go, folks. Can't imagine a better, uh, pitch than it's a better Twitter with less idiots it's better twitter oh also we've had like uh, I've, i put bonus pods up on all kinds of different things so like every you know every week or two you, you get bonus content as well if you like to pod you want you wish we potted more you know there are more pods there there you Look go at them. yeah all right tim we're gonna let it go for now but i hope you enjoyed this pod hopefully something happens soon and uh, if it does we will be here but if it doesn't we will I don't find so stuff to talk about for eight <laughs> weeks. I don't know. Um, I know training camp's coming up here like six weeks or so. So, you know, we'll we'll find stuff. We'll find One stuff. One thing's for sure. We'll be here. We'll be here. We'll be around. So uh, until next time, we'll talk to you guys later.